If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Domingo Santana. Ooh, I wanna add ya. Tanaka's Fakata. Jag like Michael Waka. Polanco and Franco. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on our final Kokomo Friday of the 2020 season, September 25th. Frank Stample alongside Scott White. Scott, how bad was my singing the final countdown? I, I thought you were using the voice manipulator, frankly. That was that was a high pitch you hit there. Very yeah, good. That was, uh, <laughs> my, that was my falsetto. I believe that's yeah. what they call it. That is what they call it, yeah. I didn't know I could get that high, but you know what? <laughs> you learn something new every day. I yeah. Seriously, I was debating whether or not I should sing to start the show up until like right when we started the show. So I hope you all enjoyed that. He is Scott White. I am Frank Stamfel. And I don't know about you, Scott, but I am getting excited for some October baseball up here in New York in the Northeast. There's a chill in the air. Every pitch counts this time of year. There's not much like playoff baseball. And in my opinion, I'm very excited. Are you hyped, Scott, for your Atlanta Braves? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't say, you, you don't sound I mean, very I'm hyped. I'm expecting to be totally disappointed <laughs> in the end. Um, you sound like you're trying I, to talk Braves yourself fan, into it. You, you know what the playoffs are all about. So you, you curb your expectations, especially when you look at what their playoff rotation is this year. And uh, Max Freed, Ian Anderson, um, Kyle Wright. That's what they're running out there. I assume if they advance to round two, which I'm not expecting them to, because come on, that hasn't happened since 2001. But I'm assuming if they advance past their first postseason series, uh, it'll be Bryce Wilson in game four, I would assume. You know, and, and that's kind of cool that it's all homegrown guys. Max Fried isn't entirely homegrown. He came over in the from the Padres, but... Uh, you know, he spent a lot of time in the Braves system before getting called up. So that would be kind of cool that, you know, the rebuild has culminated in these four homegrown pitchers starting a playoff series for you. I'm just not sure more than two of them are good, <laughs> but we'll see. Oh, man. And you know what? The way that the National League is shaping up right now, 
if the season ended today when we're recording, well, we're, we're recording Thursday night, of course, but you're listening to this on Friday morning or afternoon or anytime over the weekend, uh, the Braves would face the Reds. I would not want to face the Reds, Scott, with with their pitching staff too. It's, so it's all it's all aligning perfectly, Frank. It's oh, all man. coming together. And you know what? The Yankees would face the White Sox, so that's that's pretty tough for me because, of course, you know, Mercy! Hawk Harrelson. That you know, I, I like the White Sox. I love Jose Abreu, so that wouldn't. So, I don't think that would be the best either. So, we'll see. yeah, I guess the Reds wouldn't be the worst. They wouldn't be the eighth seed as if things ended today. Scott, okay. this is our last podcast of the regular season. Are you sad? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you liar. You're happy that the season I mean, is over. We're going to be doing plenty in the offseason. You true. and me and and some other guests, presumably. About two a week, right, is what we're aiming for. Yeah, that's what we're aiming for. And, you know, whenever crazy things happen in the offseason, because they will happen, it, Figure out where Trevor Bauer is going to sign. You know what? Atlanta wouldn't be such a bad spot for Trevor Bauer to go. But we will yeah, have some emergency podcasts for whenever players sign, big-name players, if any trades happen in the offseason. So we'll have you locked and loaded. Make sure you're subscribed to Fantasy Baseball today, of course. And those podcasts will arrive in your app, no matter where you listen. Today on the show, it's our last, oh my goodness gracious, of the season. Some championship weekend starting pitchers to stream or not to stream. Some hitters you might want to add for the weekend as well. And of course, we'll wrap up with some Thursday recap, some 2021 chatter. We got to get back to the Salvador Perez conversation because I looked at his stat cast numbers. He has to be the number two catcher off the board. Save that for a little bit later on. Oh my good goodness gracious. All right, Scott, is there really any other name here? Can we just say that it's the same person together? On three, let's say the oh my goodness gracious player of the night. Scott, don't look down okay, at the notes. Okay, like you okay, don't know who it is. It. You know who it, it is. One, two, three. Lance Lance Lynn. Lynn. Yes. It is Lance Lynn. <laughs> when I saw this line today, my jaw actually dropped. And I don't even have him on any fantasy teams. But how about this? Five and two thirds, twelve hits, ten runs, nine earned, two walks. Five strikeouts. The season ERA ends at 3.32 with a 4.35 XFIP. And Scott, we've kind of tiptoed around this all season long where, okay, Lancelin was performing really well, but we would say here and there that, you know, the underlying numbers don't say that he's been this good, but obviously you just continue to roll him out there because he has pitched so well. And the regression game, it feels like this is the 10th time I've said this in the past week just comes at the absolute worst time. Oh, yeah. It's been an awful week for pitching. It really has. Um, this is just another example. Yeah. It, obviously, it stinks. I, I actually do have Lance Lynn in a bunch of leagues. Fortunately, in Tout Wars is one of them. And uh, fortunately, my lead in ERA and WHIP was, is, is so great that this start didn't hurt me at all, really. Humble uh, brag. There is another closely close battle in a head-to-head points league where, you know, I I could have stood not to have this negative point total from Lance Lynn today for sure. From an from like an analyst perspective, an analytical perspective, I guess. Now that the the ERA is three thirty two, the WHIP by the way is one oh six, so still 
really good. The ERA, you know, solid 332. I feel better about ranking him based on those numbers than what the numbers were going to look like before this. You know, I, I feel like this is a more appropriate way to gauge Lynn. Like the regression came all at once. And, you know, if you're a big subscriber to XFIP, 435 XFIP, you know, you could argue that more regression was due to him. But, you know, it's it's obviously not that simple. He's been really good now for a, a year and two months. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious what his XERA. Yeah, his XERA coming into today's game, that's the StatCast one, was 302. So you can certainly break it down in different ways. My favorite is XFIP, but it's not the end-all be-all. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't mind evaluating Lance Lynn on the face of his numbers now going into next year. I think it's going to be appropriate. So that helps in a way. That helps in what's going to be a very frustrating ranking process. And I'm happy you brought up the XERA. Again, that is the ERA estimator that is used on StatCast. So what it does is it calculates what your ERA should be based on the quality of contact that you allow according to StatCast, the launch angle, the average exit velocity that a pitcher allows, and it calculates what your ERA should be. And you mentioned that entering tonight, it was 302, which is in the 88th percentile in baseball. So you know, before we started recording, I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to have much Lance Lynn heading into next season. I looked at the XFIP, it's over four. The StatCast numbers make me feel quite better because 92nd percentile with his spin rate on his fastball. I mean, this is a guy that is is predominant fastball pitcher. So to see that, I mean, that makes you feel a little bit better. All right, I do. I, I do. Overall, I feel a little bit better about Lance Lynn than I did about 10 minutes ago for what it's worth. Uh, and we have a whole offseason to deep dive and talk about him anyway. But I do. I do feel better. Someone I don't feel better about, Scott, is uh, Patrick Corbin. I guess you could call this a quality start because technically it was seven innings, 10 hits against the Mets, three earned, three walks, three strikeouts. We told people we didn't want to use him in the spot the way that he's been pitching recently. Speaking of which, he's allowed nine or more hits in four straight games and 24 hits over his last two outings in particular, 10 in this one, 14 in the start before. I <laughs> I don't feel good about Patrick Corbin for 2021, mm. Scott. Well, yeah, I mean, the good news is if you started him over our objections, if you started him, you, you lived to tell about it. But this, yeah, some bad signs here. Four swinging strikes on 113 pitches. So that <laughs> rate, which wasn't looking so bad. Um, I mean, it's it's been going down. Everything's been going down for Patrick Corbin over the course of this season. He's not that old. So I'm, I'm hesitant to bury anyone over what happened these two months to just to, to, to say, Oh, it was so bad that they are not worth our time anymore. Cause I, I just don't think any two month stretch that that's something you can really do. And especially a two month stretch that was as loopy as this season's where teams were having to shut down for week a week at a time where the whole league shut down for several months. And, you know, suddenly everybody had to build up again, like plenty of players handled that fine. It stands to reason some of them won it. Right. So look, I don't expect to see Patrick Corbin in my top 30 starting pitchers next year. Velocity was down. 
a lot of the indicators I care about most were down, but he's not that old and it was a weird season and he had a two-year track record of greatness. And if he drops much outside of that top 30, I'm going to be interested in investing in him. I don't think there's much risk at that point and we know what the upside is. I don't know if you noticed, Scott, or anyone else who is watching. Again, you'll watch us, reminder, on our YouTube.com slash Fantasy Baseball Today. There was a point where you were talking about Corbin where I pulled up his StatCast page and my face just went like I saw a ghost <laughs> because I'm bloom, da-dum, dee-dum, da-dum, da-dum, dee-da. A lot of singing wow. today. You're, you're just... Nothing but blue on his StatCast page. His XERA, 5.32. And that was before the start against the Mets. Oh man, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna need some really good explanations in the offseason for what happened with Patrick Corbin in order to buy back in because this does not look like the pitcher we have seen the past couple of seasons. Um, so, all right, something to pay attention to: Corbin and Lance Lynn in the offseason. Some news and notes. Oh no, Corbin Burns from one Corbin to another. He exited Thursday's start against the. Cardinals with an apparent injury to his pitching hand. He wasn't great either in the start. He was at the Cardinals, three and two-thirds, six hits, three earned, two walks, five strikeouts. Scott, I think the biggest issue that I've seen with Corbin Burns to this point is probably the inconsistency with his control. I just think there are times where he has these high pitch counts where you know we see a lot of full counts with him, some walks at times. He's a strikeout pitcher, so I guess that's bound to happen. But you see a lot of these like barely five-inning starts out of um, Corbin Burns. I, I would say that that's the one drawback with him. It's something he can build on because he's still young, but it's just that inconsistency. Yeah, sure. That's that's fair. I mean, the, the story with Corbin Burns, well, part of the story with Corbin Burns this year is that hasn't been nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be, as I'm sure a lot of people thought it was going to be. So I, it may have, it may have reached a point over his previous, let's see, five starts, which were just, he, he gave up a one earned run across those five starts and a ton of strikeouts. So obviously he's been, he's been gaining, he's been getting a lot of hype lately. So it, maybe the hype has reached a point where we have to uh, kind of temper expectations again, but yeah, he's not, He's not this totally established sure thing. He's a, a very impressive talent who made huge strides this year. And so, uh, you know, if you rank him according to his stats, I think you're probably, you're probably making a mistake. Even so, it's hard to imagine ranking him outside of the top 20. Mm. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking too. Oh man, I wonder if the hype will get out of control. Top 20... It's a big ask for another pitcher that we don't know what the workload necessarily is going to be heading into next season because you know he's never really thrown that many innings, at least not recently, because he's been used more so as a reliever. So we'll see. We'll see with Corbin Burns, but I wonder if the hype is going to get out of control. The Yankees manager, Aaron Boone, said that this uh, deciding who will start a catcher between Gary Sanchez and Kyle Higashioka during the playoffs will be, quote, a day-to-day decision, according to Lindsay Adler of The Athletic. Low-key, Kyle Higashioka has some great stat cast numbers. We're, I mean, we've been dealing with small sample sizes all season. This is, we're talking 47 plate appearances here for Kyle Higashioka. But 263 XBA, that's fine. 
570 X slug. All right. I mean, that's, you know, that'll work. That'll play. Um, he has hit four home runs in those 47 plate appearances. He's a great pitch framer. I saw a quote from Aaron Boone, you know, talking him up the way that he receives the ball. And, you know, obviously he's done great work with Garrett Cole. He's basically become his personal catcher. So I will just bring up the possibility that in deeper leagues, in two catcher formats, dynasty leagues, you might want to stash Kyle Higashioka. I was talking to one of my Yankee sources, a.k.a. my friend, who is a huge <laughs> Yankee fan. <laughs> and he said he thinks there's a chance that Gary Sanchez could be traded in the offseason. I don't think it's crazy, so I'll just bring up the possibility of if Sanchez is gone, they're talking up Higashioka, he might be the starting catcher for the Yankees next year. Just keep that in mind in deeper leagues if you want to stash him. Jamer Candelaria, is there anything you wanted to add on Higashioka? Well, just that he's played 14 games. You, right. you talked about a small sample size. He's played 14 games. To, and I, I imagine they weren't all starts. So um, something to keep in mind. Now, he, he did hit 20 homers in just 70 games at AAA last year. He did that as a near 30-year-old in a juiced ball environment. So take that with a grain of salt. That being said, how many catchers around age 30 have we seen break out this year? Austin Nola, uh, Max Stacy, a lot of guys. The, you know, it, it takes a while for that for players at that position to develop. So I know that analysis is all over the place, but um, you know, but let's let's see what happens. Right now, he's Higashioka is not in my top twenty catchers for next year. And even if even if Sanchez was traded, I don't think he would be. That seems fair, but. Mild optimism. Mild optimism for Higashioka. See what happens. Jamer Candelario left Thursday's game against the Royals with lower back tightness and is considered day-to-day. Guys, if we get any reports over the weekend or Friday that somebody is not in the lineup and you know expected to miss a couple of games, they'll just be shut down. You could drop this player, especially someone like Jamer Candelario, who was a fringe player anyway. Eloy Jimenez left Thursday's game against the Indians with right foot soreness and will be further evaluated on Friday. Another name to pay attention to. If they say he's going to sit out a few games so that he can rest up for the postseason, you can drop Eloy Jimenez. Carlos Martinez was placed on the 10-day IL with a left oblique strain. Renato Nunez is dealing with knee soreness that kept him out of Thursday's lineup against the Red Sox. One of the Yankees top prospects Clark Schmidt will be called up and will start Sunday's game against the Marlins. Originally, that was supposed to be, I think that was supposed to be Garrett Cole's start. So Cole will not start either way. It's I think it's Davey Garcia on Saturday or Davey Garcia Friday, Jay Happ one of the days, and then Clark yep. Schmidt on Sunday. So Garrett Cole will not start. Scott, would you have any interest in streaming Clark Schmidt against the Marlins? I would not, no. I think, I mean, we could talk about some streamer options over the weekend. He's not anywhere near the top of that list. He is somebody who I would want to watch start sure. just in that matchup because there's a lot of hype around him in general. But yeah, I think it's a little bit too risky with your championship. This, and this line. isn't his debut, by the way. He, he was up some for doubleheader. I think he made some multi-inning relief appearances. Yep, that's so. correct. And he, yeah, did not, he didn't look great, but you know, whatever. It's his first couple of innings in the majors. So uh, Clark Schmidt this Sunday. Nate Pearson was activated prior to Thursday's game against the Yankees. Please, please, Pearson, just make it through the postseason healthy, have a nice offseason, come back strong, someone that we can be excited about heading into next season. Mike Clevenger's initial diagnosis is a sprained right elbow. Ooh, does not sound good, but the Padres are holding out hope that he will be able to pitch at some point in the postseason. John Heyman reported that they are hoping 
he's ready for the NLCS if they make it that far. So, does not sound great for Mike Clevenger. A sprain is a minor tear, right? That's Isn't that how that works? Sounds accurate. I'm no doctor, Scott. Sprained pitching elbows for, for pitchers are... You know, sprain doesn't sound like a serious injury, but that to that specific part, that that, that gives that, that makes me nervous. That, make, that makes me nervous. According to WebMD, a sprain is a stretch or tear in a ligament. <laughs> so it could be a stretch. Like a ligament a your stretch. elbow. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound too good for Mike Clevenger. Gosh. Ugh. Just gut-wrenching. Michael Conforto was placed on the IL Thursday with hamstring tightness. His season is over. He can be dropped. Jesus Lazardo was used in relief on Thursday, so I think it's safe to say that he will not start over the weekend. Right, Scott? Uh, safe. How many? How much did he pitch? That is a fantastic question. I mean, we, we were thinking they were going to save him for the start of the... He, he pitched three innings through 54 pitches. So, okay, yeah, I think did. that's pretty yeah. safe. Yeah, he's not going to pitch. So he, he, didn't, he didn't pitch that well, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so if you had him in your lineup hoping that he would start over the weekend against the Mariners, which was a much, much better start than, you know, pitching in relief against the Dodgers. The Dodgers... Um, yeah, didn't work out well there for Jesus Lazardo, and he can be dropped as well. Email of the day from Marcos... Can you mention some Hail Mary starters or high-level relievers to add to make a final push in ERA and whip over the weekend? Normally, you mentioned you wouldn't risk to protect your ratios. What if you needed to gain? So, we are about to talk about some streamers in just a little bit, so I thought we would mention some relievers before we get to those. And I just looked up, honestly, the reliever, the leaders in ERA among relievers, and I don't know how available these names are. But Drew Pomerantz has been great all season. Uh, Devin Williams, we've talked him up. He probably isn't available if people are using relievers in your league. Jake Diekman has been very good for Oakland. Chris Martin for the Atlanta Braves. Tony Watson, Kyle Zimmer for the Royals. Tyler Duffy for the Minnesota Twins. John Curtis for the Tampa Bay Rays. And TJ Antone, someone we mentioned a couple of weeks back for the Cincinnati Reds. He might actually give you a little bit more bulk, too, if they need him for a multi-inning Relief appearance, TJ Antone could be in that mix. Any other relievers come to mind, Scott, that you might want to pick up to help with ratios and strikeouts over the weekend? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, the easy answer is Devin Williams if he's out there. He's 39% rostered, so in a league where middle relievers are valued, there's a good chance he's already gone, but that's that's the obvious one. 52 strikeouts in 25 innings. Um. Beyond that, I mean, Mike Myers is pretty high. Did you mention him, Mike Myers of the Angels? I didn't, but he's only rostered in 7% of CBS leagues. M-A-Y-E-R-S. He's become a multi-inning reliever with a huge strikeout rate like uh, like Devin Williams. Um, Matt Foster hasn't been as reliable lately. It's the White Sox, but the, the overall numbers are still really good. Uh... Yeah, that's 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 probably those are probably the ones I can get behind most. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm scrolling through the most added on CBS to see if anyone else stands out to me. Uh, Ryan Brazier is someone who I believe has pitched well for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, he doesn't even get that many strikeouts though, right? Probably not. Uh, Matt Barnes is only 37 percent rostered in, in CBS, so if you need saves too. Seems like that. Oh, yeah. If you need saves, some of these roster percentages are really low. 
actually, I was just looking at Greg Holland. He got an oblique injury. Come on, Greg. Ah, uh, Greggy, come Ooh. on. What about Stamont? Stamont. He's showing up higher here. Could be a nice little sneaky sneak ad for the weekend as well. He gets That's, a lot of strikeouts. His whip is not very good, though. He walks yeah, the so many. Yeah, 1.35. That's probably yeah. why. Yeah. Uh, all right, Scott. So championship weekend, some starting pitchers to stream or not to stream. Yes, I am about to read the must starts and this list is about 30 names long. So bear with me. But if you have any questions about these guys, I'm just going to tell you start these names over the weekend. Max Scherzer against the Mets. Zach Gallen at home against the Rockies. Carlos Carrasco. Great matchup against the Pirates. Denelson Lamette at the Giants, Hugh Darvish at the White Sox, Jose Barrios versus the Reds, Jose Urquidy, I know he's not normally a must-start, but against Texas, he's dominated them already, I love the matchup, I think he's a must-start, Clayton Kershaw against the Angels, Jacob deGrom at the Nationals, Lance McCullers, another one like Urquidy at the Rangers, Brandon Woodruff at the Cardinals, Zach Wheeler at the Rays, I know Aaron Savale has not been great recently, but I like the matchup against the Pirates, so I will say that he is a must-start, Luis Castillo at the Twins, Framber Valdez at the Rangers, assuming he makes that start on Sunday. Aaron Nola at the Rays. Trevor Bauer at the Twins on short rest. And for the final time, Scott, Jack Flaherty in Miller Park? I think so. I mean, I'd, I'd go for him <laughs> over Keedy. So uh, I'd go for over for him over McCullers. Mm. I'd go for him over probably a few names on this list. What do you I'm think not, about uh, Savale, Scott? Should he still be a must-start against the Pirates? I think the matchup is still too good. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the more borderline ones here. I, I'm, I, I would imagine everybody who has Aaron Savale should be looking to get him in their lineup. It's possible somebody's rotation is just so stacked that they have to leave him out, and that's that's fine. He's toward the bottom of this list if we were ranking them all. But... I wouldn't be afraid to start him. Certainly not. Some actual players, pitchers that you can stream over the weekend who are widely available. Scott, it all comes full circle for me. Of course, I'm going back to the well with my Pittsburgh Pirates. I was going to say Brad Keller. I like the matchup against the Tigers. He's 78% rostered in CBS. So I went with another Keller. I went with Mitch Keller, who is at the Cleveland Indians on Friday and his last time out, six no-hit innings. So I like the matchup for Keller, although Jose Ramirez just continues to mash for them. Same thing for Joe Musgrove on Saturday. His last time out was phenomenal. I believe he had double-digit strikeouts, and he is at Cleveland as well. And then Sunday, Brady Singer. I know he wasn't good his last time out. The, the Tigers hit Bubich on Thursday, but they are good against lefties. They are very, very bad against right-handed pitching. So Brady Singer... And if you're really desperate, I don't hate Brett Anderson at the Cardinals on Sunday as well. Scott, a few names that you think could actually be available that you would yep. stream this weekend. Uh, the one that's most shocking how available he is, because he's he's available in more than half of CBS leagues, going Friday is Tyler Molly of the Reds, who I, I think is having a huge breakout season. I mean, showing he can go deep into games, getting a lot of strikeouts, double-digit strikeout efforts. He is going against the Twins, but the Twins who have already clinched. And, I mean, frankly, as well as Molly's pitched, I'd trust him against just about anybody. So he's he's somebody I like a lot for this weekend. I'll go day by day like you did. And on Saturday, um, yeah, Musgrove's probably the best one. But just to throw a different name out there, I'll say Justice Sheffield, who I know you like a lot. 
He's rostered in about half of CBS Sports Leagues, too, and he's going against Oakland, who I believe you said before the show was 24th in WOBA against left-handed pitchers. Correct. Yeah, and of course, Sheffield's been pretty reliable, so that's not a bad one. And then on Sunday, Singer's the obvious one there, but you already picked him. (laughs) So I will say... I will say... I mean, Seth Lugo is 72% rostered, but as good as he was last time out, I do want to highlight him going at Washington, somebody who might be more available. I'm, I'm tempted to say Drew Smiley here. It's San Diego is the matchup, but he's just been so dominant with the strikeouts. Certainly, if, if strikeout specifically is what you're chasing, I think Drew Smiley is a fine sleeper for you. The Padres' offense has not been nearly as good in September either. I know Tatis has slowed down. Uh, Over the past two weeks, they're 18th and weighted on base average. So I I don't think it's crazy, especially if you need strikeouts. That's the one thing Drew Smiley can provide for your fantasy teams. Scott, you mentioned Seth Lugo. I was going to ask you about the person who is starting opposite him is Austin Voth, who has now put together two pretty damn good starts in a row. Or is that too risky? Yeah, the result was good. The underneath numbers, I wasn't seeing much there to get me excited. So that that seems way too risky for me. All right. Well, the name of this segment is actually to stream or not to stream. So let me ask you about some tough calls this weekend. Either some pitchers that have pitched well recently, they have a tough matchup. Players who have pitched pretty well all season long. But the matchups, you're just you know, you're a little worried about these. How about Griffin Canning, who was at the Dodgers? The Dodgers. He has pitched better lately. The matchup's worrisome. And look, it's it, it's one of those situations where if you're throwing a hail mary, like you just you're you're you, you need a miracle. You need a miracle. You have to shoot for the miracle. And I I don't think Canning is a bad shoot for the miracle candidate, but you'd rather not have to play him. How about Davy Garcia, who had his worst start out last time against the Red Sox. He is going up against the Marlins. And I think the velocity was down. It in was. That start. He was a little worrisome. Was I, I'd be more likely 90. to play him than Canning. Yeah. But uh, I'm not totally comfortable with it. Yeah, Davey Garcia's fastball velocity was around 90 his last time out, whereas it has been around 92 frequently. So I hear you there. Matchup, pretty good. He is home, so don't love that part of it. But Marlins... I get behind that. Dane Dunning has pitched well all year. The Cubs are kind of a meh matchup. I'm not like super scared of them, but they do take a lot of pitches at times. Get your pitch count up. What do you think? Dane Dunning against the Cubs. I don't hate it. He's been good all year except for his last start. And I don't like the way the swinging strikes have been trending. So, you know, far from automatic, but probably the one I'm most comfortable with of the three we've named so far. Michael Pineda going up against the Reds. Yeah, that one's easy. I almost I almost mentioned him as my favorite for Saturday. 69% roster. That's pretty high. Um, but yeah, I don't I mean the Reds are fighting for their lives right now. They're playing well. Um, but I just think Pineda's really good. So Dylan Bundy has not pitched as well recently. He is at the Dodgers this weekend. Yeah, I'd still run him out there. Uh, Michael Scott give kind of kind of scared of that one. Herman Marquez, who Scott 
always seems to defend is at the Arizona Diamondbacks. You get Herman Marquez outside Coors Field, Scott. You going to roll him out there? Normally a good thing, yeah. Yeah, I'll roll him out there. Taiwan Walker, someone who Scott does not like, is going up against the Orioles. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good ask-for-a-miracle type of play. He's He's been, despite my objections to him, he's he's been pretty consistent, and this is a favorable matchup, and you could certainly see it going very well. Rather not have to do it, but it's it's a fine play. Charlie Morton going up against the Phillies. Yeah, how he hasn't even like he hasn't been going deep into games, right? Like, it's really hard to see I a believe. scenario where he he makes a real impact for your team. You know, his last time out, he went five. He allowed one run with six strikeouts. That was at Baltimore. Yeah, the most he's gone since returning is five and across four starts. Like he he seems less likely than some of these pitchers to to damage you, but if you're playing a an SP streamer, I I, I pre- presume it's because you need to make up ground, and I don't really think he's going to help with that. And the Phillies are pretty hot over the past couple of weeks. I am going to say no. Someone who loved Charlie Morton coming into the season, but it's been. A big letdown, if we're being honest here. Jay Happ against the Marlins. Yeah, I think, again, not something you, if you're trying to preserve a lead that you do, but if you're trying to catch up, the way he's pitched recently, sounds like a good play. Sandy Alcantara on the other side. He's been great, but in New York against the Yankees. Yeah, that's... That's that's a that's a play I'd be okay with too. I think I like that more than like Griffin Canning. Andrew Heaney, who has been good, but against the Dodgers. Mm. Yeah. I, I it's it's pretty good. That's a pretty good start. Chris Bassett against the Mariners. Yeah, because of the matchup. I don't have a lot of faith in Bassett and what he's done this year, but the matchup makes it pretty easy. Chris Paddock against the Giants. Yes. And yes. Rich Hill against the Reds. So I don't feel as good about Rich Hill as I do Michael Pineda going against the Reds. But I'd lean yes on that. It is worth noting that the Twins stink against left-handed pitching. He is on the Twins, so that doesn't matter. He's on matter. the Twins, yeah, that's not <laughs> worth noting. <laughs> it is not worth noting because Rich Hill will not be pitching against his own team. It is worth noting that the Reds have not been great against left-handed pitching this season. They are 23rd in weighted on base average against lefties, and they are in the middle of the pack against right-handed pitching. So, better matchup for the lefty. I don't mind Rich Hill, but I think Michael Pineda is more trustworthy, which... When have you ever been able to say that confidently in Michael Pineda's career? 2020, that's the only explanation that I have. Uh, We're going to take a break. I want to promote a few things. A programming note, remind you, we've already talked about this, but this is the last week that we'll be going five times starting next week. Actually, well, starting the week after. This upcoming week, you'll have two podcasts with Scott and myself, but there will be a third podcast in your feed, which is which will be a better a betting preview for the 
wild card round of the baseball playoffs. No, we're not turning into a betting podcast, but we're just trying to add a little extra something to your feed if you're interested in you know, throwing some shekels around and, and getting involved with betting for the wild card round. And if you want to throw some futures on some teams to win the National League, to win the American League, to win the World Series, we'll talk about a few of those look things. At, look at you flexing that vocabulary. I like that. <laughs> no idea what it means, but I like it. Honestly, Scott, I don't even know what it means either, but I'm just going to keep saying it. <laughs> somebody somebody will be on who does. Uh, but next week, we will have our award show. So we'll talk about the fantasy MVP, the fantasy LVP, the least valuable player, the waiver wire pickup of the year, and I'm sure we'll think of a few other awards to come up with. And I haven't figured out the guest. We're going to have a lot of guests on in the offseason, expand our, our repertoire here, our pitch mix on fantasy baseball today. I have a few people that have already agreed, but I just have to figure out which one. So I'll get back to you guys on that one, but we'll figure it out. That's a Please. Lot of power, Frankie. <laughs> Subscribe. Yeah. What were you going to say, Scott? You were about to say just something. Not, I'm just wondering if you can handle it and <laughs> handle the power. I don't know. I, again, another one. Like, I don't know if I can. I guess we're just going to figure it out. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel for the offseason. Every podcast that we do here is still going to be put out on video. Again, that is youtube.com slash today. And join our Facebook group. Lots of keeper and dynasty questions and discussion going on there right now. Facebook.com slash groups slash today. The link is also in the episode description. Last but not least, our 2020 performance review. Normally, we're supposed to do this with our bosses. I Honestly, I don't even know when that happens because I haven't had one yet here at CBS. But email us, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com or even me personally, frank.stample at cbsinteractive.com and let me know what you liked from this season, what we can improve upon, what you liked, what you didn't like, segments that you liked, uh, something you'd like to hear more of, something you'd like to hear less of, what was your favorite part of the season. You know, we're, we're trying to make this thing as, as great as it possibly can be. We are the podcast of the people, so I want to hear from you. Let us know what did you like, what did you not like from 2020. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look a little bit at what happened on Thursday. I have some hitters that are hot right now that I want to talk about that you might want to add for the weekend, as well as some 2021 chatter. We'll do that here, Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. 
Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Welcome back, and before we get to some of these hot hitters that you can add for the weekend, I do just want to give a nice little shout-out to Alex Gordon. He announced that he is retiring after this season, 2020. And it's been a, it's been an interesting career for Alex Gordon. Bounced around a little bit, you know, former top prospect, eventually kind of made his name in Kansas City, had some big moments on their World Series team as well. So shout out to Alex Gordon and the Kansas City Royals. Well, I think his whole career was with the Royals. So um, he was a top prospect, this. right, Scott? And then kind of failed. And then right. Right. No, he was chance. very hyped as a prospect when he first came up and looked like a bust for a while and then figured it out in his late 20s. And, you know, had a nice little peak there, Alex Gordon. But, uh, yeah, hasn't been useful for a while. But, you know, we wish him well in retirement, certainly. Must be nice. Wish I could retire in my 30s. He's my age. <laughs> He's 36. He was born. Let me think here. Let me do the math. He is 50 days older than me, exactly. Alex Gordon. Mm. Good to you, know. You think it's 49, but you got to remember 1984 was a leap year. Ooh. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. Nothing gets past Scott. That's why he's the best in the business. All right. Some hitters that are hot. Austin Hayes. This is just the time of year where Austin Hayes, you know, final months of September. It's something about September. It's something in the air that Austin Hayes every year. I remember I picked him up in a few leagues last year, and he brought me to the promised land, helped me win a few championships. But since returning off the IL, Austin Hayes has 16 hits in 11 games. So he's someone that you might want to look at this weekend. Miguel Cabrera is red hot if you want to snag him for the weekend. Four home runs in his last four games. He has three multi-hit games in a row. And mentioned a while back, like he has some really good stat cast numbers. He just was greatly un- underperforming those basically all season. Again, that is Miguel Cabrera. And Josh Fuentes, a name that I brought up the past couple of days, doesn't hit for a lot of power, but is providing batting average. And he had two more hits on Thursday. He's batting 321. And just a reminder that the Rockies have a doubleheader this weekend against the Diamondbacks. Scott. Austin Hayes, Miguel Cabrera, Josh Fuentes. If you had to choose one for the weekend, which one would you choose? If I had to choose one of those three, it'd be Cabrera. Not not wild about any of them, them though, if I'm going to be honest. Oh, you know what? I was supposed to mention Dylan Carlson. Yeah, Dylan Carlson's in this mix, too. He had two hits, he hit a home run, and he has eight hits in seven games since being recalled. Scott, would you take Dylan Carlson over any of these? Yeah. Yeah, he's probably at the top of the list, though. Again, I'm not wild about it. He's performing well, man. He's trying to. Oh, I know. It's he's trying to yeah. trying to pick that ADP back up for next season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I mean, there's no reason to give up on Dylan Carlson long term, and it's nice that he's, uh, you know, getting have, having kind of a redemptive finish here. Though I, I don't think there's there's any way he salvages the numbers. You know, pretty pretty good finish here. Yeah, the overall lines are. are Numbers are not going to look good for Dylan Carlson. I'm pretty confident of that, unless he, I don't know, just goes on some crazy barrage over 
this weekend. Thursday is not so hot pitchers. We already mentioned Lance Lynn and Patrick Corbin at the top. Alec Mills stunk. That's a nice call by you, Scott. You would not let me talk you into him. Three and two-thirds, eight hits, four earned against the Pirates and Chris Bubich on the other side. Not in this game, but on the other side of, you know, what we were right and wrong about. Um, was not great yeah. against the Tigers. Four and two-thirds, eight hits, four earned, three walks, five strikeouts. A reminder that the Tigers mash lefties. Anything you want to add on those on those two, Scott? I mean, it's... I, I was getting pretty excited about Singer and Bubich, and I guess Singer still has one last chance to to leave a good taste in our mouths. Uh, but I, I liked a lot of what they were doing. Bubich in his previous four starts had a 199 ERA, 25 strikeouts, and 22 and a two-thirds innings with a lot of swinging strikes, too. So, you know... Hate to see him finish this way. He did show us something. He'll be some level of sleeper next year, I'm thinking. That's that's about it. Well, what about Kevin Gosman? Is he going to be a sleeper for next year? I guess it depends where he lands. I believe he was on a one-year deal with the Giants, but he went up against the Rockies on Thursday. Six innings of two-run ball, nine strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. Just a fantastic season here, Scott. 3.68 ERA, 3.12 XFIP. The swinging strike rate is up over 14%. He's throwing his fastball harder than ever before. Still throwing his splitter a ton, which is his bread and butter pitch. Um, but yeah, it's it, it was a great year for Kevin Gosman. Is this one of those things where he's kind of sucking us back in because for years he was supposed to be a sleeper and would always let us down? I guess as long as he's not pitching in Baltimore, he's kind of enticing. Well, no, it didn't go well for him in Atlanta. Didn't That's it go true. well for him with the Reds? Didn't he pitch well as a reliever there, or am I making that up? I think he started out well. I'd have to double check and see where those numbers ended up with the Reds out of the bullpen. I mean, it was it was a this was a completely different Gosman than we've ever seen before. I mean, he was just uh, whiffing everybody. His strikeout rate. Uh, you know, it goes up from where it is here, but 11.6 is what it entered the day as with a 2.6 walk rate. And you mentioned it. He was, he was even better than his numbers, according to XFIT. Like this guy looked like he looked like an ace, frankly. And, and if that seems like an overstatement, good, because I feel like he didn't get nearly enough attention for it. And obviously, you know, you compare that two month sample to the vastness of his career, a guy who's basically 30 years old now, um, you know, you, you have to, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to just assume this is who he is going forward, but if he's valued appropriately, then I'll, I'll absolutely be behind Kevin Gossman as a sleeper because this was just, it, this was just an unbelievable season. It's worth noting that he has used his changeup more in 2020 more than ever before 14 percent his previous high for this pitch was 5.6 percent maybe you know the past couple years as a reliever he didn't really ever need a third pitch but yeah I mean he's basically four seam 95 miles per hour has that wipeout splitter and started using his changeup more again that is Kevin Gosman David Peterson he was at the Nationals seven innings one run only four strikeouts. That is three straight starts, allowing two runs or less for David Peterson. A 3.44 ERA, but but a 5.11 XFIT. Anything to see here, Scott? Any excitement for next year? Not really. He's 
he's a, he's a guy who who pitches to contact and gets a decent number of ground balls, but not enough that I think that's going to sustain him. That double digit strikeout effort against the Braves last time was an outlier, and I think he showed it today. So I'm not super excited about David Peterson going forward. Someone who also pitches to contact is Dallas Keuchel. He had another strong outing to end his season. Six innings of one-run ball and a 1.99 ERA for Dallas Keuchel in 2020. 3.97 xFIP. So, eh, but Keuchel and, uh, you know, it reminds me of Marco Gonzalez. I think they're they're similar pitch, pitchers. Uh, Marco, much better com- uh, control and doesn't walk as many people and he's going to have a better whip than Keuchel. But... I can see them probably in like that SP 40 to 50 range next year, Scott. Keuchel and, and Marco Gonzalez. I feel like that makes sense. Yeah, they are. Better in points are, leagues. They too. are where you go at starting pitcher. Forget the 199 ERA, Dallas Keuchel. It's not going to be a thing. You know, mid threes, mid to high threes is what you're hoping for with him. They're the kind of pitchers, he and Gonzalez, that you go for when you know, the aces are all gone and you just can't afford, you you, you can't afford to take a pitcher who's going to be, who's going to sink you. Because for the most part, the pitching pool is pitchers who are either very useful or very not. And Dallas Keuchel, Marco Gonzalez, there there are a couple of just a handful that are in the middle of those two extremes. And I think these are good names to pair with, with upside. So, you know, take one, uh, unknown that has upside on your bench. Take one of these guys, a high floor pitcher, to kind of balance that out on your teams. And they're obviously much better in points leagues as well. So keep that in mind. Dallas Keuchel and Marco Gonzalez. Gonzalez just goes so deep into starts for the Seattle Mariners. But yeah, fantastic seasons for both of them. Hyunjin Ryu, also a fantastic season. Shut down the Bronx. I'm not even going to say it because they were not the Bronx Bombers on Thursday. Seven shutout, four strikeouts. For Ryu, a 2.69 ERA ends his season with a 3.31 XFIP, 51% ground ball rate, 26% hard hit rate. That was top 10 among qualified starting pitchers this season. He will be 34 years old when next season starts, but I don't think we should let that deter us from Ryu. I think he'll be in that mix as a top 25-ish, top 30 starting pitcher for 2021. Yeah, I mean, it's been a great three-year run for him. Granted, one of those years, he missed half of it with an injury. Another one of those years was really just two months. But nonetheless, it's hard to it's hard to say Ryu isn't reliable at this point. All right, Scott, I'm about to say one of those crazy things where, you know, you have to rein me back in. You have to... I go out on a tangent. Adalberto Mondesi. He went four for four on Thursday with two steals. That brings his league lead to 22 stolen bases. He has gone 24 for 80 in September. He's batting 300 this month. And, you know, an okay first season back from shoulder surgery. Um, batting average is, you know, at 230 overall for the season. But, you know, if he can get that up to like 250 next year with as many steals as he gives you, his average exit velocity is still over 90 miles per hour. If people don't realize what Mondesi has done in September next year and you're getting him at a discount in a roto or a head-to-head categories league, Scott, I'm going back to the well with Adalberto Mondesi. Well, what's a discount? So he was what, like a fourth round pick this year, fourth, fifth round pick. 
If he goes later in, than in Roto, that, yeah. if he goes later than that, I'll be interested. So sixth round, you're saying? Yeah, sixth, seventh. Okay. <laughs> you, you don't seem as enthusiastic. I mean, it's been a great month of September. I was yeah. I was trying to figure out what changed in the batted ball profile. Still a terrible line drive rate. Still a terrible strikeout rate. <laughs> um, but, you know, basically one of the two months he was great. So, I don't know. Very confusing player. I was... I was shouting him from the rooftops heading into last season and felt very much let down by him. This season at the plate has been even worse, but you know those steals are going to be there, and there's there remains that chance that he breaks out as a hitter with decent power production. Somebody's not, go, not going to sink you in batting average. It, it remains on the table. He's young enough. There are some interesting... Uh, you know, you mentioned the exit velocity, but I, I don't know. Uh, the, the numbers for this year, even with this rebound, the overall, uh, the batted ball profile, like I mentioned, the expected stats, it still does not look good for Adalberto Mondesi. That was like a really long way of Scott saying, no, Frank, you're wrong about Mondesi. I don't want anything to do with him next season. But See, I- that, that's that's not <laughs> what, what I was saying exactly. I'm just I'm just not going around six round seven. Yeah, maybe it's too early. We'll see where everyone else settles in in ADP. Again, again, this is only in roto and and categories leagues, not in a points league. Don't want anything to do with Montesi there. Let's stick with the Royals. Mentioned his name at the top. Salvador Perez, two for four, (laughs) hit his eleventh home run. Scott, he is absolutely the second catcher off the board next season. There, there's no doubt in my mind. I. Small sample doesn't matter. This guy has been so rock solid for so long. How much older do you think he is than Wilson Contreras? Uh, we never ranked him as anywhere near a top two catcher. No, I think he's three years older than Wilson Contreras, right? He is two years older. Two years older. So, I, I mean, it's not a huge disparity. But, I, but there's a huge sample size of him basically being a 230 to 250 hitter who hits 20 to 25 home runs. Um. And and then he has two months where he does a lot more than that. And and the line drive rate is way up. I, I, I don't I don't think you can just say because he hit a lot of line drives for two months, I don't think you can assume that's who he is anymore. And I really don't see anything wrong in Wilson Contreras' bat ball profile. If anything, it got a little better in what was a disappointing season. But you know, he was still I I was looking earlier today. I think he's he entered for Thursday, Wilson Contreras did as the fourth best catcher in points leagues. So, you know, maybe overstating the level of disappointment there anyway. Salvador Perez has been amazing. He's had an amazing two months, but there's a lot of track record there. And I'm putting him third because it gets to a point up where, like, who deserves to go ahead of him? I think Wilson Contreras, with his superior track record, with the fact I don't really see anything wrong in the underlying numbers, I'll go Wilson Contreras number two and Salvador Perez three. It's been an, I'll say an inconsistent track record for Wilson Contreras because he's had two fantastic seasons. His rookie season was pretty good too, but that was only 76 games. He had one terrible year in 2018. This is Wilson Contreras. And then in 2020, it's two months, but I mean a 725 OPS for Wilson Contreras. He is hitting more line drives. You like to see that. He normally, he's lowered the ground ball rate. So those are good things from Wilson Contreras, but. Man, 
I, I put I put their Statcast numbers side by side. Salvador Perez, three fifty nine expected batting average. Are you serious? Six ninety nine x slug. Wilson Contreras, two fifty nine xba, four fifty four x slug. Salvador Perez the, is the, very the thing similar. Is, like, and this is going to be this is going to be the big debate over twenty twenty one rankings. I'm not looking forward to it, <laughs> but I can already I can already sense it happening. The people most invested in baseball are the ones I'm engaging with on Twitter, and you know, in in late September, I'm sure it's the ones most invested in it. And it seems like they're treating 2020 like in the numbers produced in 2020, like the numbers produced in a full length season. And that is just absurd because two months is not anything like six months. <laughs> it's not. And so a lot of that stat cast data, it means nothing to me. It's, it's, this is what's frustrating about it is normally you can, you can put together an argument you know, a well-reasoned argument backed up by numbers. But I think a lot of a, a lot of the defense for my rankings is going to be, yeah, but those numbers don't really mean anything. They might mean something, but they're incomplete. They're incomplete by more than half. So who knows how the next four months would have gone for Salvador Perez? I know how the last four years have gone for Salvador Perez, beyond that even. Uh, I, I am open to the idea he's a changed player now. I have no reliable evidence he is, though. Outside of... I, I said you. no reliable evidence. Okay. I mean, it's just weird because... And I hear what you're saying. And I, maybe I'm falling for it too far the other way, right? Because it's the same thing with Jose Abreu. It's the same exact thing. Jose Abreu exactly, and Salvador yeah. Perez. So... Obviously, I liked both of the. I loved both of these players. I mean, I, we did our our all star teams. You know, players we draft most. I had Salvador Perez as a catcher. I had Jose Abreu as the first baseman. So I really liked both of these players coming in. And part of the reason I liked Salvador Perez was I thought the year off, twenty nineteen, when he was recovering from Tommy John surgery, I believe. Yeah, it was, Tommy John surgery. Yeah. I thought that that would help him in twenty twenty because he had taken such a beating the past whatever, six, seven seasons before that, playing so many games at catcher. He was basically an Ironman. He would just play so much. And I thought that that would help him this year, having that year off to kind of like rejuvenate himself. And so I think that's part of the explanation of what he's done so far. And it's only two months. So I, I don't, I could see him being, you know, having a fresh off season again, heading into next year. And he's going to play a ton and he's going to give you volume. He doesn't walk at all. Yeah, uh, he's just, a low risk catcher. If that's the argument you want to make, that's fine. Is he this guy? No, no. He's not going to be an OPS over 1,000 for a whole season. But Is he going to be an OPS over 900? What was his career high OPS before this year? 792. <laughs> yeah. So what, what was it exactly? Seven, it was 792. Okay. All right. So almost 800. Yeah. And Wilson Contreras had two seasons. Over, well, if you count his rookie year, three, but it's kind of like two and a half. Wilson Contreras had two seasons over an 800 OPS. All right, so maybe, and, and maybe I will I'm, add that I don't think it's ridiculous to rank Perez second over Wilson Contreras. I, we're debating over one spot, you know, like we're splitting hairs, basically. I, I, yeah, I don't think it's ridiculous, but I, I'd rather have Contreras. Okay. And I, I don't think that's ridiculous either. No, I don't think it is. But I'd rather have Salvador Perez. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, where else do we go from here? Pablo Lopez got his revenge against the Braves. Five shutout with six strikeouts. We were kind of waffling over whether or not to use him because last time he faced, was it last time, two times ago? Whenever he faced the Braves, he got destroyed by them, but he got his revenge and finishes his season with a 3.61 ERA and a 3.72 XFIP. Walker Bueller had a successful return as well to the mound for the Dodgers. Four shutout, one hit, one walk, six strikeouts, 11 swinging strikes on 65 pitches. I don't know that it means much. Hopefully he pitches well in the postseason, Scott, and... Give us a little bit of confidence in Walker Bueller heading into next season. But I think what you said about him recently, that he's just not going to have a lot of innings. You know, what what is that going to mean for 2021? Are you going to invest a second round pick in Walker Bueller? That's that's probably too rich for me. But if he falls into yeah. the third, that's that's probably where you have to actually start thinking about him. Yeah, that sounds right to me too. And look, this is gonna be a pro this is gonna be the single biggest question. Heading into next year is what is going? What is what are teams going to do with every single one of their pitchers? Considering the the innings jump's going to be huge for everybody. Everybody who who makes every turn in the rotation, it's going to be huge. And you know, obviously, that's happened before. Pitchers have lost most of the season to injury, well established ones, and then they come back and they 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 take on a workload like nothing happened. So it's. It's not going to affect everybody, but it will affect a lot of pitchers. And I, I, I don't feel confident. I can predict for with with real confidence which ones it will affect. You know, more established. Okay, it'll probably affect them less. Less established, it'll probably affect them more. But they will. There will be some from each of those piles who who are treated like they're in the other pile. You know. Yeah, I love that you started off that analysis by saying well this will be the thing is single biggest question in the offseason but we just had a whole argument about how much like i know this season's numbers matter for for like yeah. salvador perez and jose abreu so, <laughs> so those, like, are the, those are the big questions those how, are the two how, biggest how much questions is any pitcher going to pitch and do how much do the numbers we just saw actually mean? Those are pretty big questions that yeah. affect every single player. I'm going to write those down because that's basically the, those are the two questions we're going to ask every one of our guests in the offseason. And you'll have, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 different answers. And it's going, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens, uh, in the off season and, and how much we take these things into account. It, it's it's going to be crazy. I'm hoping, I'm hoping cause we'd really reached a point uh, the people who rank for fantasy baseball, the fantasy baseball community, if that's what you want to call it, where there was almost too much consensus with the rankings because the data um, had become so reliable and so widespread that everybody was kind of working off the same information and it was hard to argue against it, but I'm hopeful this the season we just had with daddy, you shouldn't really trust on the same level means there's a lot more hunches being played. There's a lot more, uh, there are more discrepancies from one person's rankings to another. Uh, that'll, that'll be like the good old days. And I, I hope that happens. I hope we don't fall into like group think uh, when it's not backed up by data the same way we might, but we'll see. I like a, I, I, I tend to gravitate toward groupthink because I'm, I'm kind of building my rankings around where I think I can get a player, um, so I'll, I'll be contributing to it if it happens. But hopefully, it doesn't. Scott, 
I was on a few islands heading into the season. First time here. You guys were out on Machado. Uh, you guys were out on Abreu. I, I, you know, I brought that to the table. And of course, there were players that you guys were in on that I was out on that came to fruition as well. But yeah, I think we already kind of have like different mindsets. At least me and you. Like, oh yeah, at I mean, there, and, there are always disagreements. But yes. Frank, it's take it from somebody who's been doing this for over a decade now. <laughs> there is much more consensus than there used to be. It's it's really hard to to be on, truly on an island from everyone else over a player. Basically, Nando Defino does it, <laughs> and nobody else. <laughs> Speaking of Nando, we will have him on in the offseason, so that will be a lot of fun. I, I think it was, I think it was last year before Vladimir Guerrero Jr. got hurt. <laughs> Nando posted a picture on Twitter of his rankings. And he had Vlad ranked inside like his top 20 players in redraft leagues. And look, that's why Nando's the best, man. He is bold, to say the least. He will take the players that he loves. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, he has his reasons. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be fun to talk to Nando and find out who some of those players are for him uh, heading into next season. That'll do it, Scott. We're done. We're done with the 2020 season. I want to thank you, of course, Adam, Chris, for making this such an easy first season for me. It's, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you to, to those gentlemen, and, and thank you, Scott. Uh, there was nothing easy about this season, um, but it, it, it was great, and you're obviously a big part of that. So it's been good. I look forward to the off season. I look forward to however many seasons we have together. It's, it's, it's a good thing. Indeed. It is. It's, it sounds like this is a farewell, right? Like we're we're going away for like the... No, we're going to be back next week, guys. It's not that big of a deal. Thank all of you as well, the listeners and the viewers on our YouTube channel. For Scott White, I am Frank Stanfield. We will be back again next week. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best... Stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So, why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.